welcome to the first episode of the third DC Comics News Dark Knight News Network podcast. This is I Am The Knight, the Batman the Animated Series podcast. Joining me is a fellow DC Comics News and Dark Knight News writer and by some strange quirk of coincidence, my son, Adam Ray. Hi, Adam. Hello. Pleasure to be here. It's great to be talking about one of the finest pieces of superhero media that I've ever really seen, to be honest. It's great to come back to it after the so many that hits it's been off of our screens to see it's still relevant, still powerful, still a great piece of television that I'm glad to see remastered so well and delighting us all again. And who could argue with that? I mean, it's what you said. Watching this again after such a big gap, you forget the atmosphere the power, the direction, that it just still looks totally unlike any animated series on TV, doesn't it? It was created intentionally to be that perfect representation of Batman. It's done, as everyone knows, animated on black paper with white pencils to appear dark from the beginning. Even during the daylight scenes we see in the early episodes, it's still noticeably like dark without like over the top grittiness that you get from today's sort of cinema this is where that sort of thing started appearing I would say but I still say and a lot of the media that's come from this like the Arkham games especially this is one of the truest representations of Batman just ever personally absolutely and the title of the episode is On Leather Wings it tells the story of Batman in this universe's first encounter with Man Bat. Um, it's directed by Kevin Altieri beautifully and adapted. This is another thing about Batman the Animated Series that I love. They adapt the classic stories from the comic books in such a unique way that honours them but yet gives a fresh perspective. And the writing by Mitch Bryan on this episode is, is great as well. I mean, how do you feel the story beats went and the characters? The overall arching story is. How he encountered Man Bat is largely similar side to side to side. There's the miscommunication of, oh, giant figure with leathery wings moving around, causing trouble. It might be Batman. So the early start was... Just a quick note, we should have probably touched on this earlier. This, these retro reviews may contain a few spoilers. If you oh, want. yes. If it, you haven't seen the episodes, um, listen on with caution. <laughs> though there are some questions, as this is one of the finest pieces of superhero media out there, and you are a little late to the party. You've been under quite a large stone if you've not caught up yet, but uh, apologies for that. The Just the little confusion that the police force have, and Bullock's first show of his gung-ho attitude of trying to bring in the first culprit that you would assume to be the case, but may not necessarily be that, going into Batman, piecing it all together, and some of the actual finest detective work we've seen Batman do on screen, into the dramatic confrontation across Gotham's skyline, we get all of the beats you'd expect from the classic first appearance of Man Bat there. This, the subtle confusion into finding out the science behind the creature, into finding out how to defeat him. It's really well paced, really atmospheric. Good old Bullock in a china shop. The way he just blazes in, um, I mean, good intentions, but because at this point in his career, he's still highly suspicious of Batman, and the way he acts and his, like you said, gung-ho attitude is just vintage Bullock. And, but from the beginning, I'd, I'd forgotten that from this very first episode, you've got Bullock being Bullock, uh, stoic, to the point, brilliant Commissioner Gordon, 
Alfred is acerbic best, even though it's um, not uh, Ephraim Zimbalist Jr. in this first episode. It, it, if for no one who's never ever seen it before, you won't notice that because he's still the sarky British butler that we all know and love. And the thing I've forgotten is how distinct Kevin Conroy's Bruce Wayne voice is to Batman's. The scene in the cave where he, he calls, yeah. It's fantastic. It's so different. I mean, he's like a buoyant ray of sunshine compared to the dark, grizzled Batman. It's just superb. What do you think about that the, part of it? The actual voice direction was perfectly done. They managed to get everyone's little unique personality twinges down to it. Even like the way that the episode was framed with the two guys in the weather, weather balloon, the police mm, balloon. Yeah. You could get two clear, distinct voices between those two guys just being sceptical of, oh, there was a thing on the radar. No, there wasn't. <laughs> Humanity at its finest. And the, and the just s- true British sarcasticness of Alfred, which is something that <clears> has <throat> sort of fallen away in some portrayals, but I think it's just deeply important. And, like, you can't deny his loyalty, but you can't expect him to be true about it the whole way through. Yeah. And another thing I've completely forgotten because like I've only seen this show in drips back when I was a tiny child. Yes. And we'll get to whether or not this this show's for a tiny child because I have a few opinions about that. Mm. The first scene where we meet Commissioner Gordon and Bullock where they're talking to the mayor in the office, you we get the first briefest glimmers of Harvey Dent, just yeah. him with the coin at his attitude, and any Bat fan immediately recognizes who that character is. I've seen a lot of other Batman animated productions where Two-Face was completely omitted and in, and Harvey Dent was completely omitted entirely because the implications of a man having the left side of his body horribly burned is probably a bit too strong for a child or teenage audience. So they've gone into that with their eyes wide open from like the first initial scenes of this show. So that kind of shows that for an episode one, this show has some serious ambition. Oh, yeah. From the start, seeds are being sown that all bear strange fruits in later weeks, months and years. And again, I'd totally forgotten that Harvey appears in the very first episode. He's just in shadows, tossing the coin and saying, listen, you get Batman, I'll, I'll get him behind bars. And that whole thing and the, the way that the episode ends with Batman saying it's over for now, like hey, that means, yeah, Man Bat's going to make another appearance and maybe Francine and everything else. It's just brilliant storytelling. It's not a kid's cartoon. You're absolutely right. The transformation, and even before that, when Kirk walks into the laboratory and walks behind the vials and files and test tubes and everything else, his face being warped and changed and menacing grins and shadows and light foreshadowing that transformation into Man Bat, and then he changes. Um, I think any kid under 10 would still find that a little bit scary, but kids love being frightened. It's, there's, some, <laughs> there's something to them. As long as they, like you can temper the fright and you can really get it. And they also, for an episode one, to have this kind of villain alongside Batman for the purposes of like not trying to scare a tiny child away forever, mm. they do it perfectly by showing this is a visual similarity but like huge and monstrous and garish so it's very easy to tell who's to root for and who's scary especially considering the first glimmers we hear is him stealing chemicals and supplies from various 
scientists, but we get really clearly just the whole side of things. And for an episode one, it's a very bold way to start it. Yeah. It's a very way to, bold way to, like, overall, just to, as it's telling a story. Because when we think of how we would start a Batman story, we think of, of a young boy in the worst day of his life. Mm. Obviously, they can't really show that for what may be intended as Saturday morning broadcasting, even though it's not for the Saturday morning broadcast audience. You get none of that here. Which I, which I honestly didn't remember. They've gone straight into the action, haven't they? Yeah. Yeah. So Batman's established. Commissioner Gordon's established. We know the drill, as like fans would, as you'd expect. But the, f- you'd ex- like personally, I was because I had very little knowledge uh, memory of this. I remembered the grand sweeping fights against the jo- against the Joker, who will come to very soon. That I'm excited. Very about. soon. Well, I remember like the huge arc of several episodes where the horrible things ha- do happen to Mr. Dent. So I was expecting, just trying to remember back, Batman's first appearance being something grand and sweeping and heroic. But no, we didn't get none of that. He's in the cave with He's Alfred. He's in the ca- cave with Alfred doing some detective work and having a pleasant conversation, very jokey conversation. You don't expect that kind of light-heartedness from such a dark character, but that's the thing that draws a potential younger audience back in. Absolutely. And they wouldn't do a pilot episode like that. I mean, today, everything is all about his parents died, his parents died, his parents died. And this just literally brings you in a fully formed, fully fleshed out, crime-fighting Batman with his butler in the cave, solving a crime. And I love what you said before. Oh, yeah? Being a detective. Mm. And I've forgotten that it's there from the first episode. He's putting on his goggles, checking prints, picking up pieces uh, from the crime scene, and studying them, and being the world's greatest detective, which you and I talk about this ad infinitum, I need to see more Batman as a detective on screen, full stop. And the fact Matt Reeves says he's going to do that for the movie has me excited, but it's all here. And the blimps, the Gotham City blimps, the guy talking into his voice recorder. This, again, like the series Gotham, you don't know when this is set. I personally love that. I love that. I personally love that because you get blimps... That are from the 30s. Yeah, yeah. You have late 50s cars, yet very 90s... Tech. Very 90s, like, tape recorders. Mm. Mid-80s, late 80s, early 90s. You get... I think that's just them playing into the fact that even back then, 1992, the original? Yeah, yeah. Uh, you get the fact that Batman is coming with what would be 60 years of history. So they know that the character is effectively timeless. So they're playing into that. And that's why I think Gotham worked so well. Yeah. Because absolutely. they know that that, that character is also effectively timeless because they had the tails, the coats, mm-hmm. the suits, the hats, but with clamshell flip phones. Yeah. That's just an ambitious way to sort of mirror and decorate the set pieces and the way that the show looks just to reinforce the fact that Batman is timeless. But... A lot of people now would sort of frame their minds and their thoughts around this Batman. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it's funny, I agree with what you said, that I thought that the series might have dated badly or, or worse than it has, but the fact that, yes, there's still a tape recorder in there, which is dead technology, but Batman, back in 92, has got the voice-activated back computer. So that's still fresh, relevant, and so bloody now with Alexa and uh, Google Play and everything else that's around, Siri, um, hey, back computer, 
is that really the sound of a starling and a brown bat? Uh, hell no, it isn't, Batman. Um, it's just, it's, it's, it's totally timeless. It's every decade Batman's existed. There's, there, like, just to, like, niggle a little bit on that, sorry. There's, um, the fact that he has to use a very, very clunky set of goggles to be able to scan for red when certain technology's gone forward from that. That's a little thing, but that's honestly very minor. And it's a very nice detail that, like, maybe the cowl is all armoured and he may need a prosthetic like that, so I can forgive it. But I also really enjoyed the viewfinder when it looked in because of the because of the string of random numbers on the bottom reminded me a lot of Luke Skywalker's (laughs) yes yes for no reason whatsoever brilliant so true yeah so true so many things and did you think as well watching it back because this is so still fresh in our minds that this isn't even directed like a a cartoon I mean before this with the Super Friends and the Adam West animated series that came after the live-action TV show. This is directed and paced, and the action is set up much more like a film, like a movie. It's so cinematic, which is not what you'd get from this medium today anymore. You you don't get, like, animated... Um, what would be marketed as children's TV, but this mm. one, this show really isn't. But you wouldn't get that here. You get, like, I'm just thinking back to the way the episode started. You, the atmospheric sweep across Gotham's skyline. The detail of the way that the, the police balloon moved up through the cloud. And you see the streaks of cloud going through like a real mm. aircraft. And a lot of it was very dialogue-driven. There's no big grand yeah. action sequences that you'd get from a lot of superhero animation. That's just not how it's done anymore. Not to besmirch anything that's coming out these days. Uh, the the DC animated team create some great yeah. adaptations. They create great around the around the media broadcasts. I still love the bright, garish cartoons of Dragon <laughs> Ball. So brilliant because they because that show just like highlights some of the really obscure characters. But you get a real people driven story here mm. that appeals a lot more to like an established bat fan who knows oh this is this is how it's going to play along it's going to be these characters they know the stories that this is all these are all based on but you're not left short by not being aware of because Absolutely. you follow as you follow Bruce Wayne into the laboratory you see a grouchy old man mm-hmm. denying everything just to try and protect his bats, but you think, ah, oh, so maybe he's just like mutated a bat that's yeah. fetching chemicals for him. So when you get the switch of just like, I've done this to myself and I enjoy the power, oh, it's still shocking because yeah. you're, if you're a new viewer, it appeals to everyone whilst not compromising for anyone. A lot of things these days, a lot of stuff in this media would try to tell a good story, but be a certain thing for a certain person. This one appeals to someone younger because you get a very clear hero great action climactic sequence a great monster and the hope that the new appeal to the bat fans by showing the detective process showing his thought process showing the opposition he gets from the police showing gotham as a real lived in place where people are injured by the crossfire of batman and the police and the monsters and the bad guys it appeals to everyone so well and i think that's why it stood the test of time so well i think that's why it's so beloved personally you hit the nail on the head. I could not agree more. This show is every bit as much for someone who does not know a single thing about Batman, Batman and Gotham City and the Man Bat and everything else. But 
as soon as you hear the name Francine, if you're a long-standing Batman fan, as soon as you hear Kirk Langstrom, you know it's not Dr. March. You know it's them, but you think, well, hang on, maybe March perfected the, perfected the process first and he's the original Man-Bat in this timeline. But all the surprises come thick and fast. That transformation is nightmare-inducing. But listen, hmm. I think that this series, like another show we love, Doctor Who, is more, yes, let the kids watch it, let the little buggers be scared the bejesus out of but watch it with them because then you can explain well listen Batman's there to save the day and look Kirk was fine at the end you know uh, if, if you use your brain use your heart use your mind there's nothing you, you, you can't achieve and that's the deepest thing about Batman because he is just one of us at the end of the day and he's got the police off oh the police oh the police they're after him they're trying to gun him down and he's still risks life and limb to get one of them out of the building who then realise what's happened and faints the comedic moments again are something I'd forgotten about between that little moment of just the, and the, the actual whole realism of Batman going out of his way to keep yes. this one SWAT team member safe into pretty much everything Alfred says <laughs> yes god bless him pretty much everything Alfred says really brings you back in because Sure, large, like large, scary monsters of the night, and like daring feats of heroics, it can be a lot. But it's still pulling it back just to make sure that it is actually for everyone. Yeah, which is so hard to do considering yeah. the way they've framed it and the way they want it to look so dark and like Gotham. Everyone knows that Gotham is just a dingy place, regardless. They've still managed to keep that, but that humor is actually really important. Yeah. And it's not, like, forced in like you get no. with a lot of superhero media you get today for this sort of... It's not attention. Justice League shoehorned in humour, is it? No. Let's, let's not, please. <laughs> it's... Contention. Just a little. But they handle it so well here that it's never off-putting and it's never... This is a thing that personally annoys me with, like, a lot of mixed media and cinema today. Mm. There will be a very tense important, story-driven, like, explanatory moment where a character's defining who they yeah. are, what they're doing, and then it will be undercut with a joke, and you just feel, yeah. ah, oh, I've lost yeah. the point of the scene. Yeah. It was funny for maybe the first two years, and now it's everywhere, yeah. and I hate it. Yeah. But we get none of that here, which is none beautiful. Because it's, it's done to progress. It's not there to be the point of the scene. Character driven. Exactly. So we get the opportunity to go forward and understand okay, Alfred's making things light because he knows that the kid he has watched grow up mm -hmm. and come back with his training is going out there risking his life to next to no thanks. He needs to be there to be supportive. Yeah. And for us, if we were pulled out of the burning building by a very strange man in a very a very strange, very muscular, very powerful, imposing <laughs> man in such a garish costume. Very aware that we nearly just blew up and died, probably by the other members of our SWAT team. Yep. We would pass out in shock as well. Yeah. So it's not ham-handed and forced in like a lot of cinema today. It makes sense, and it's not the be-all and end-all the same. We can actually breathe and laugh with the characters and then follow the story as it goes on. It just feels real, doesn't it? Very much so. And... To touch on a point you brought up, which I totally agree, this Gotham, it's a living, breathing city from this first episode. It's like a, another character in the show. 
you get the two squad guys in the weather in the police balloon. You get that night guard who just another yeah. thing to just another thing to appeal to the kids. The night guard was like seriously injured because he fell into water. You can't really show something that gruesome mm-hmm. to try and keep the kids in, but it's still enough of a hit to warrant the action that draws on the rest of the episode. Yeah. And even the two little random scientists that call the police. It's just like them just being like a couple just sneaking off. It's real. It's yeah. lived in. It's those little, like, honestly, like, 10 to 20 seconds of screen time that are largely throwaway in terms of the ongoing story, but it just, like, putting those in just because you can makes everything feel so real. It's such an important thing to do as a writer just to make a place feel real. Yeah. It, it adds humanity rather than just drama and action. I mean, I've had this conversation with you. I've had this conversation with the guys we do the DC Comics News podcast and with friends over the years. But... um People say that maybe kids' attention spans are less now. They can't concentrate more. A series like this wouldn't work anymore. But at no point during those 20, 23 minutes did I feel like this is dragging. This is slow. And that slow burn way of storytelling is virtually dead, particularly in animation. Like, get to the point now with Justice League action. Still great fun. It's 10 minutes and it's literally just action. I still think that you get a 10-year-old kid who's never seen this before and sit down and watch what we just watched with him, I still think he'll love it, but do you think that that's the case? Or? I hope so. I don't know if that would be quite true. Maybe an experiment worth doing. I think that as long as it's... I think they could. I think there's enough there where if they're fully in full, they have their full attention on it which of course we can't guarantee yeah. there's enough cur- things to like draw out curiosity that they would want to see what is causing this will Batman be okay into oh it's this creature created by the scientist and then the the actual fight chase towards the end because it's n- neither a fight nor a chase it's mm, sort of both. both of them that is a great way to wrap up the thing and just to see them okay, but with the for now, just to really see if, how well they've been paying mm. attention. There's a lot of things that rewards so, uh, one of today's yeah. viewers for like staying with it and trying to unwrap it as it goes. I can't quite say for sure if a kid today would be able to like love it, but I'd like to think that if they have their eyes on it, they could. I'd like to think so. Because I still think that's the best brand of storytelling that small hooks to draw you into the narrative to make you fall in love with the characters to take in the spectacle of the city I think it's so well done in this first episode and I'd forgotten about it I mean literally from those vintage classic opening title sequence that that's still arguably one of the best opening sequences in the history of television and I'm sad that it does actually get cut out in later seasons but it's brilliant and then those lovely title cards, reminiscent of the 20s, 30s serials. Oh, I love that. Such early cinema. That's like They're framing it as though they're... It's honestly quite... Like, I've said that this show's ambitious. Oh, that's, even now, yeah. But that's ambitious for them because them doing that, they're comparing themselves to the other Warner Brothers cartoons of the day, like your original Looney Tunes and... All the good the stuff. Max Fleischer Superman cartoons of the 40s. Yeah, exactly. You get those huge title cards to say, this is what is happening, we are here, acknowledge us the same way that we, you acknowledged like Charlton Heston movies back in back in the talkies. Yeah. 
that's how they were arranged. So them ref- comparing themselves to that from the off just shows how much they believe in what they've made here. And it's paid off because they have that gravitas behind them. They know that they've told a very almost operatic story. Oh, good phrase. I like that. It's just them building up into a huge crescendo of Batman swooping through the sky. Yeah. But it's just them bringing forth, like, here's a monster. Here's the police going after Batman. Here's Batman trying to do his best with all these things on him. Here's him as Bruce Wayne asking questions that he's just doing really just to make sure, but hits the nail on it because these are the people that would be involved. Here's him finding out more things. Here's the monster. Ah. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, and on that musical note, you've got to talk about um, the way they've adapted Danny Elfman's score. Um, Shirley Walker, bless her, may she rest in peace, her direction and her own music throughout the score of the animated series. I mean, this again is a cartoon show that's scored like a film. And I don't think that had ever been done before. Any music was literally just sound effects and whizzes and bangs and da 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 for, for action. I mean, to have an orchestral score in a 20-minute weekly episodic animated series, it still feels amazing to me. I think I read somewhere that a lot of their actual creative budget went on that music. Because... I can believe it. Just, I think the word to just sum up the show overall, like especially in these, this early season where they're trying to get themselves established, mm. is ambitious because they've yeah. framed it like high art cinema, but about Batman, but light enough to be able to stay with a younger audience, but heavy enough to just keep the investment and the yeah. certainty that Bat fans would have, along with just the, them knowing what's going to happen in future with this character here, these dynamics here, mm. hoping that they'll get better. With no sight of anything recognisable otherwise, we don't get to see any of the internals of Wayne Manor. We don't get to hear another name of another established character, good or bad. This is them with a perfectly juicy, self-contained little story that we get done as well as I think it could have been yeah for a first episode it's 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 huge so obviously we've got to talk about favourite moments and this is going to be a hard thing to nail down because it's full of so many favourite bits for you and anything that didn't quite ring true from the episode didn't quite ring true I think it's hard so I'll see if I can let my ever frantic brain come to that I think something that I found just like deeply funny just to really explaining how Hammer Home to someone who wasn't familiar or to a younger audience. Um, when a certain well-dressed young man was moving through the Gotham City Zoo and said, the next ex- exhibit of the of Chiroptera and the life and, start, life and times of bats, with just a nice man just going, <laughs> just to explain <laughs> that that's Bruce Wayne, that's who he is when he's not wearing the mask, just to be sure. Uh, it was just like so self-referential that, like... For most people now, that wouldn't really be necessary, so it might be a little bit <laughs> overly funny, but it's such a nice little yeah. person moment just to really get something across to show this is that man, he has these two sides. Which is why when you said Kevin Conroy's performance of the oh, two different wow. voices, when he picks up the phone in the Batcave... From ways, the word go! Yeah. Yeah, when he picks up the phone in the Batcave, still in the Batman regalia, but talking with a light and cheerful Bruce Wayne voice. It's weird, wouldn't it? <laughs> 
I was expecting him to pull the cowl down just for that yes. moment, but he never does that when he's in the Batcave, I don't think. He's always his truest self whenever he's down there, which is just so funny, but putting on that voice just to talk through with another, with the scientist about the information. What about you, sir? What, what was things that were good, bad, or dirty? It's, we are of a, of a like mind. It's what you said, Ben. Do you not think that's telling, though? The fact that he feels like he puts on the Bruce Wayne voice. The face, his face is Batman's face. And that's why it's so incredibly jarring when you're looking at Batman, but you're hearing Bruce Wayne's voice. It's really, really brilliantly done. You're coming into this episode, and this is what, what really struck home, and I didn't realise that until watching it again that you come into a fully formed universe from episode one. There's a little bit of scene setting with, with Harvey, but there's clearly already a relationship built between Commissioner Gordon and Batman. Harvey's still dubious. The city itself still doesn't know whether it trusts Batman or not. Um, the city itself is a mystical entity in its own right. It just draws you in from the beginning. And I didn't realise that. Because I remember seeing this. So 92. I was 22, 23. And just being blown away by the visuals. But coming back now. As a mature person. As a, as a grown man. Well your mother might argue that. <laughs> um, it just feels so loved. The, the people that made this show. Clearly love Batman. And everything to do with him. I think that's that's the main I think that's thing. very important if you're ever going to tell the story you have to love what you're talking about or else everything's going to come across insincere uh, no disrespect to certain mans be, may they be damned or not mm. <laughs> okay yep the clear love and the clear understanding they know who they're writing about they know who they're writing for and they know the place that they're writing around Gotham feels loved and grand and mystical and massive. The clear relationship without ever having to explain anything between Commissioner Gordon and Bullock, even Dent in the corner. Mm. The, what feels like centuries of little jabs between uh, Batman <laughs> and Alfred. Everything feels so clear and established that you don't get even in pilots for like high budget nope. TV anymore you with high budget pilots you explain everything and you get a clear and sighting incident that everyone just sort of goes okay this is what is driving the show forward alright this man's got cancer so he's going to go into the drug industry alright this man has died so I've got to go to the kingdom to be to fill his old position everything's made very clear now but we get none of that here we get this is Batman you know who Batman is he does the heroic stuff, but he also has a nice time with his butler that has been mocking him for centuries. Not literally, but you get what I mean. Yeah, forever. Here is here is a villain that some of you will know, some of you won't. This is how he goes about defeating him. There isn't there are any high stakes action that you'd get from retelling the story today. Because if you retold the story today, you get pretty much the similar sort of story, but there would be a clash towards the first quarter of it they would sort of yeah. tussle it out which I'm fine with as long as they get the same sort of beats going if they had like one fight in the uh, first ten minutes of the episode then that would be how it would work today but it's just very bold that they didn't need 
to do that this uh, this early on. They just let it be a detective story, which is, like you say, and I agree, something they just don't do enough about that yeah. in media. Yeah. So I think you'd be in agreement with me as well, then, that honestly, negatives, I don't really have any. A couple of little niggles in terms of things that are slightly different now to then, but I think it just adds to the charm of the show. So yeah. I don't have anything bad to say about this first episode. To be little things of the charm just like make it sh- very clearly established of its time. Sure, the character's going to evolve, but that doesn't make, make this version any less valid. Personally, I there are some shots of the episode where random bits at the corner of the screen are a little dark for next to no reason, but that's just an artistic thing. That is the animators. Also, because obviously you're too young to remember this, that's very um, film of the period thing. Um, like, you'll notice it in later episodes, whenever, like, Selena's on screen, she'll be fuzzy, but her eyes will be highlighted. And that whole shadowing of certain corners of the screen, it's all very early movie things to set tone I imagine it's also also kind of a noir thing as well exactly so for that I'm into it yeah for that reason I'm into it it's there for that reason and that reason alone just to make it look and feel different and to this day it is and also to this day nothing's done it as well since I can't argue with that so yeah as a bold piece of unique animation I don't think you could get much better it's just so ambitious. I've said that a lot today, but it really it's is. the only word that fits. Yeah. So do you think uh, audiences of today, now they've got that added platform, especially for our uh, friends and readers and listeners in the US, you've got that added bonus of DC Universe where every single episode of this show is available to stream right now. Something people who've never seen it before need to check out. Something to also to know, they can stream and watch it, stream and download and watch it right now on the DC Universe Remastered, which it looks as... I personally yeah. can't see too much of a difference, but you're very much in tune with what uh, remastering and high qualities of audio and video look like. You, you, you said very much quickly that it looks very good. I had the DVDs, which you've now inherited now, I've got the Blu-rays, and they looked great. But watching it now on Blu-ray and knowing that on DC Universe it is the digital remaster and it's that clean, it looks phenomenal. It looks absolutely fantastic. And not just looks, again, Shirley Walker's score, the music, the dialogue, the sound effects, great stuff. So again, yep, highly recommended. If you've never seen this show before, what are you waiting for? See it. If you have seen it before, a thousand times, like I probably have, um still well worth picking up and revisiting and try and maybe listen to this and see if we've thought of things or seen things that you haven't because the beauty of a podcast and the fresh pair of eyes on anything is making you look at things in a different way so hopefully we've done that but also we want to hear from you in the comments in uh, reviews tell us what you think of Batman the Animated Series as a whole particularly this episode because we're going to try and do one a week um, to cover the whole show and let us know what you think of the podcast as well rate uh, and review us because that's how we know what we're doing right and what we're doing wrong so adam what would you have to add to that i just like to say thank you for listening hopefully we can catch you again as we continue our journey alongside batman in the short riding shotgun in the batmobile as we cover further episodes going forward uh give us a like if you like what you see rate us and review us and 
shout us across, put our name up in the bat signal for all to listen to. We'll be back very soon talking about episode two, I believe. Yes, we're going to be talking about episode two very soon, hopefully in, a, in about a week's time. So, Adam, where can readers, listeners see your work across the internet? Well, as I said at the opening of the of the, this here episode, I contributes uh, a lot of reviews to Dark Knight News and DC Comics News. I also write for our own little website, uh, fantasticuniverses.com. Um, while I do love Batman, my true great bat signal in the sky that calls to me is various kinds of dice and cards. I do, yes, indeed. I do game very, very avidly, much, many things involving dragons and magic and mystery. So you can find me most Tuesdays on Twitch at No Ordinary Heroes, broadcasting some games of Dungeons and Dragons. Uh, at the time of recording, um, we're go- ongoing a very long and arduous campaign. They're, they've been through the ringer, but now they're going to take a small break and try and learn some personal mysteries about themselves, about each other. But we're very eager to see how you'd follow along with the story, and I'll be writing some thought pieces and reviews about the next set of Magic the Gathering. But that's for another time. Until then, we're here in the Batcave talking about... Mr. Wayne and his antics, aren't we, sir? Yes, indeed. And we can also catch you on Twitter, can we not? I am at Is It Tinkerer, uh, I-Z-Z-E-T, Tinker, E-R. Perfect. And everyone's probably been bored to tears of, of my outros during the DC Comics News podcast, but again, just Google search Steve J. Ray and you'll find all the links to my reviews, interviews and news across both DC Comics News and Dark Knight News, or just search Fantastic Universes for our site. Um, you can catch the DC Comics News podcast and every show on the network on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and wherever you find podcasts. And you can find DC Comics News and Dark Knight News across social media at DC Comics News at DKNews.com. So, signing off, he is the knight, I am the knight, we are the knight. Batman, the animated series podcast. Thank you for listening. Bye-bye.